This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Never stop searching for good ideas from both parties to improve Wisconsin. Here in Iowa, we may get up early, but we're not woke. Ohio needs an ass kicker, not an ass kisser. I promise I'll well, do those everything. Those are some campaign ads from candidates in the U.S. midterm elections that were played on CNN TV a few days ago. As our neighbor to the south is poised to head to the polls today, Tuesday, November the 8th. All 435 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives are on the line, and a third of the Senate seats, too, plus the governorships in various states and some other high-ranking state legislature positions. Now, some analysts think turnout could be high because of what's at stake. Will the Democrats and U.S. President Joe Biden hang on and control the House of Representatives and the Senate? Or, as looks likely, will the Republicans capture at least one, if not both, of the lawmaking bodies in Washington? And we'll watch what happens to all the candidates who support the conspiracy theory that former U.S. President Donald Trump invented that the presidential election in 2020 was stolen. So if they get in, will Congress stop the investigation into the January 6th attack on Capitol Hill or into Trump himself? There's a lot at stake for the world, for Canada and for Jews, too, with rising anti-Semitism. Because when these kinds of things happen and democracy is in turmoil, historically speaking, we know it's never been good for Jews. Political commentator David Frum says American democracy is now in a period of what he calls regress. There is pressure on the American democratic system. Um, there, there's a lot of attempts to deprive people of the vote if they if if they are the wrong skin color or they're not affluent enough. But still, these are meaningful democracies. People have power in their hands, and they should believe that the power will be effective if they operate it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, November the 8th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. David Frum writes for The Atlantic magazine, and he's a commentator on MSNBC. He was a speechwriter for George W. Bush. He's written 10 books on U.S. politics, including on the Donald Trump presidency. He has a million followers on Twitter. But before David joins us to give us The View from America, here's an important message. Did you know April 2023 is Israel's 75th anniversary? In honor of this huge milestone, UJA Federation of Greater Toronto is planning an epic trip to Israel, and all of Canada is invited. Israel's anniversary, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, is a one-of-a-kind experience. Streets are filled with parties, fireworks, music, and dancing. On UJA's Israel 75, you'll get to join the celebration. 75 is not a regular anniversary, and Israel 75 is not your typical trip. You'll get a truly unique experience of the country, no matter how many times you've been before. With 10 specialized tracks, you can create an itinerary that is totally personalized, whether you're a foodie, an adrenaline seeker, a TV buff, or politically minded. The best part? You can mix and match tracks on different days. Embark on a thrilling adventure one day and a culinary experience the next. Let your own interests be your guide and experience everything Israel has to offer. To learn more about the trip, visit UJAIsrael75.com. That's UJAIsrael75.com.
Com. Now, before we join David Frum to talk about what's at stake in Tuesday's pivotal midterm U.S. elections and what they mean for Canada and for Jews and for Israel, I should tell you that his brother-in-law is CEO of Metropia, the Toronto company who sponsors this podcast. But neither David nor his extended family had any influence whatsoever on any part of the show. Welcome to the CJN Daily, your first time. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's, it, it's not my first time with Canadian Jewish News, but my first time with the podcast. We should tell our listeners, in case some of you listen after the uh, November 8th date, that uh, we're speaking era of election, <laughs> the era of the midterm elections. But uh, you wrote in The Atlantic that, quote, today's voters have the entire future of America in their hands, unquote. That's mm-hmm. a big headline. That um, article was prompted by looking back at another time that there was a big swing in the American electorate, um, and that was the year 2014. So that was a, um, a, a low turnout election, the lowest since World War II. Um, the Republicans had a big year that year. twenty. They picked up nine Senate seats in 2014. And what was on voters' mind in, 1920, in, in 2014, or at least those voters who decided at the last minute and gave the Republicans that big majority, they were swept up with panic over Ebola. Now, you may not remember this today because the Ebola plague turned out to be a giant nothing that was effectively contained by public health authorities. But in 2014, it was a, uh, a leading concern for voters and probably the leading concern for voters who made up their mind at the last minute. They were frightened they would get Ebola. They were mad at Barack Obama for not protecting them. Ebola was from Africa. They decided that Barack Obama was from Africa, and so they punished Obama. That set in motion a chain of events that led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade in 2022, because that Senate elect in 2014 created the new Supreme Court. So be aware of the choices you're making. And so this election, as the interpreter of what is what the heck is going on down there yeah. and how it affects the world and Canada and Israel, what are the main issues that people are aware of uh, and afraid of? So inflation. Yeah. And Trump, what are the what are your main three that people are really going to vote about? Voters are really upset about rising prices in the wake of the pandemic, um, food prices, fuel prices. Um, uh, they're very upset about the rise in interest rates. Um, if you are buying a, a, a house this year uh, and you're putting 20 percent down and financing 80 percent, basically you have half as much purchasing power as you did 18 months ago. So that makes people mad. How do you see the the actual race is the outcome on uh, November 8th. Are we luckily looking at Republican taking back everything? Look, I have no special insight to offer on this. I'm just going to, I think the general view, and I'm going to share it, is the Republicans look like they're going to take the House of Representatives. Uh, it looks like they will do well in the Senate, but because in the Senate, individual candidates matter a lot, and Trump stuck the Republicans with a lot of bad choices so that he turned what should have been an easy win for the Republicans in, say, the state of Georgia, um, to a tough race because he he saddled them with this this candidate Herschel Walker with the two who paid for two abortions, um, other similar uh, races in other states. Trump made it more difficult for the Republicans. Still, the price increases and especially the interest rates uh, are very powerful. Two other things that are very much on American voters' minds, and that this is a little different uh, from other developed countries. Um, but there has there was a very serious rise in crime. Um, after uh, during the COVID pandemic, um, and not just crime, the headline crime, you know, murders and assaults, but but a kind of urban disorder 
that people feel in places like New York, New York and Los Angeles and other large cities, just more casual trouble in the streets, people defecating in the streets, uh, homeless people trying to shove people in front of subway cars, that, that kind of thing, not succeeding in it, but it's just, it's just people feel like things are out of control. And the United States is also having a, an immigration surge because Biden made some decisions early on in his presidency that invited people to try their luck walking across the US border and millions of them have done so since the beginning of 2021. And so it's the great replacement theory. Are you talking about that kind of conspiracy theory that's uh, making people worried or that's that's not, yeah, it's I, not I, where you were going? I, I, people care about the feeling that the authorities are in control of the situation. And so, I mean, I think the consequences of this election can be very serious, but I, 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 do, I, I do feel for why people are ready to make a protest vote uh, in 2022. Whenever these kinds of scenarios happen in Jewish history, yeah. It's never good for the Jews. No. Because they're scapegoated and blamed for all the ills. So let's talk about the Jewish uh, questions in this election. Traditionally, correct me, because uh, it may have changed, but, you know, Democrats mostly get the Jewish vote and the Hasidim and some of them go to the Republicans. But it's mostly has been right. A Jewish party. How is that changed now in the last few years? Well, this you raise a very profound point, and this is something that I think Jews know, but maybe we don't always articulate it. Anti-Semitism is not like other forms of bigotry. Anti-Semitism is above all a conspiracy theory. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a belief. Not anti-Semite does not believe that the Jews are inferior and to be despised. He believes the Jews are superior and to be feared. Uh, in many ways, you could argue it's the first and original of all conspiracy theories. So if you live at a time where because of COVID and because of Trump, conspiracy theories are in the air, you start, and I'm sure many of you have, have had experience, many who are listening to this know, someone who started off with weird ideas about COVID and they began getting other weird ideas. And then someone who two years ago was not an anti-Semite suddenly is talking about the Rothschilds because there's this kind of magnetic effect that once you're drawn into the conspiracy world, you're looking always for the, the, the secret within the secret within the secret. And sooner or later, that path leads you to the Jews. And so I think that plus um, the new possibilities of social media are opening the way to an expression of anti-Semitism that is more intense than it was 10, 15 years ago. And with, of course, very famous people, famous music stars, famous sports stars. Um, now, it has to be said that uh, Jewish life in North America remains safe and secure. And, and um, you know, compared to three of, life, three of life synagogue and others notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to diminish that. But and Canada may be more secure than the United States. You don't have the kind of um, widespread physical fear that you have in Jews in Europe. Um, but it, it is hard not to hear what is said and not feel that pang of where is this going? And so are they going to still vote is what you're hearing? Are they Jews still going to vote Democrats when they have people like Rashida Tlaib uh, in the party, you know, openly, blatantly anti-Israel? Is that still going to happen? I think we live in a time where anti-Semitism really cuts across party and ideological lines. So there's a, more anti-Semitism on the left and there's more anti-Semitism on the right. Um, and so you have, I mean, the, the example of this is the Ilan Omar race. Ilan Omar, of course, is from Minnesota. And she's one of the most outspoken anti-Israel people in Congress edging into outright anti-Semitism, and her Republican opponent turns out to be an even bigger anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist uh, than she is, and is complaining that Kanye and Kyla and all these people are being are being silenced when they have important truths they want to pronounce. So it, it is a, uh, it is, 
um, I think, something that doesn't easily translate into partisan views because, you know, the mainstream leaders in both parties are obviously aghast. And he's, I mean, Joe Biden is a friend of, of Jews and Jewish causes. Mitch, Mitch McConnell is a friend of Jews and Jewish causes. Um, you know, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis has been, um, this is one of the things that is, that is a special challenge for Jews. A lot of Republicans have been more hostile to women and other minority groups, but they are separating the Jews. And you'll hear a lot, you'll hear a lot from, um, you know, the higher reaches of the more normal, not the Donald Trump people, but the more normal people, uh, we, you know, we are for it. We, we are, we're worried about all these other minority groups. We're worried about the great replacement, but we love the state of Israel. We're with the Jews. And so right, one like of the, the New York governor guy, for example, is courting the Hasidic Jews from the Republicans, right? The candidate. Well, well, Lee Zeldin is Jewish himself, of course. He's the right. candidate for governor. And uh, New York City has had a real public safety problem that has been hit, that has hit very hard um, Jews and, uh, and uh, also some Asians. So, again, Jews are going to stick to the pattern or um, you don't know? No, I, I think what is what is happening with the um, Jewish vote is more secular vote, Jews vote uh, vote Democratic. But the less secular part of the community is the faster growing part of the community. And they are increasingly open to Republican messages, especially on these questions of public safety. I mean, there's so many Jews live of uh, the more religious Jews live in Los Angeles and New York. And of course, Biden hasn't called Bibi yet and hasn't visited Canada yet. I know it was reported a couple of days ago that he had not talked to Netanyahu yet. He and, and look, he and Netanyahu have a relationship that goes back a long time. And it's a complicated relationship. Um, it's both based on fr friendship and, you know, anim and clashes. Remember, there was a, a moment where um, I'm now going to forget what the incident was where O uh, Obama had sent a very stern message to Netanyahu. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to forget what it was. It's about the year 20. That settlements, probably. Settlements. And he sent Biden to deliver the message. And Biden then gave uh, Netanyahu the, the talking to that Obama took him, demanded. And then he and their wives went out to dinner afterwards because it's a, it's a deep relationship. And uh, uh, Biden obviously goes way, way back with Jewish communities of all, of all kinds. And of course, there's also these days in Israel, like, well, maybe you should just wait three days and call the next prime minister. <laughs> because, so I don't know if they're waiting for a government to be formed. The, the, not visiting Canada, Biden is traveling less. I mean, that, that is one of the prices that you pay for a president of his age. And again, I don't think that reflects any lack of regard for Canada. I think they're husbanding the president's energy um, and time than other presidents have done. Uh, we have another. We do have another two years of Biden. And how should the Canadians feel about uh, a policies such as electric vehicles or uh, yeah. Keystone or whatever. So in terms of the relationship with Canada and what our interests are, uh, should we worry? Yeah, well, Canada, one of the ways that Biden has been consistent with Trump, that one of the areas of continuity has been Trump was very hostile to trade, international trade, and Biden has been a less trade-friendly president than any president until Trump. So uh, many of the Trump barriers to trade were, le were left in place. Biden wants this big Buy American provision, which has um, historically, it's been in law, but for defense procurement, but Canada got a lot of exemptions. But Biden is not really interested yet in expanding trade. They're not seeing trade progress, and we need it. We also need to have a whole new approach to energy integration. 
um, that what we are moving into the post oil era, but natural gas remains more important than ever. Um, we need uh, we need a carb, common carbon frontier around North America. Uh, we need a nuclear strategy uh, that in integrates nuclear power, uh, carbon-free nuclear power into into our planning. Uh, we and we and it will be stronger if we if the Canadians and the Americans do it together. And none of that is happening either. Either way, whoever is going to be in twenty twenty four is what. Well, I don't know what twenty twenty four. The it's not happening now, um, and that the Republican Party has been swept up in all kinds of narrow nationalism, especially on trade. And the Democrats have been infected by some of that that same disease. I think they're um, less assertively hostile to America's friends than the post than the Trump Republicans have been. But they're not as helpful as they could be on a lot of these economic issues. They've done a great job standing by Ukraine. Um, and, uh, you know, by I think there are some positive things to say about American foreign policy. The Middle East looks a lot more stable than it, than it used to do. Um, but on, on North America, we need to move forward to a border that is open to trade, to commerce, to investment, to energy flows. And that we're not making the progress we need to. OK, and I'm sure you've heard this. Lots of people that we speak to and in the news as well who have family in the States, they're like, what is going on with you people? And everybody's really worried like emotionally worried about the health and safety of the world and what is happening in the United States. Are you obviously hearing that too? Yeah. It's, it's way more than it ever has been in my lifetime. Well, I, I have a standing joke about this, which is there, there there's very few things. They're, they're very, it's very rare to encounter an Ashkenazi optimist because basically the optimists were the people who stayed and they didn't have grandchildren and the pessimists were the people who left and they did. So we're genetically selected, I think, for pessimism. All of that said, I think it's important, however you feel, to think and act like an optimist. Because the worst thing you can that pessimism does to people is it makes them feel powerless. And we are not. We we do live in democratic systems. So don't be whatever your feelings, you have to think as if your actions matter. You have to think optimistically, even if you feel pessimistically. I'm a friend of mine who's American. Yeah. who lives here, said she can't vote because it's too hard. There's so much paperwork and a lot of people are worried that there'll be a low turnout. Yes. Uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be a low turnout, but it, it is certainly true that um, in many states, Republican governments have tried to make it harder for people to vote, especially people of color and young people. And and there's just, this is a um, a long tradition in American life. It's not coming out of nowhere. It's a story of up and downs, of progress and regress. And we are definitely in a period of regress for American democracy. But that doesn't have to be the end of the story. There have been periods of regress before, um, and they're followed by periods of progress. So um, I have to hope that today's period of regress is the prelude to tomorrow's period of progress. It's going to be very uncomfortable for the next few years while this happens. It is indeed. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Adam Beryl Wettstein in Toronto. And we'll end with a reminder that Remembrance Day is coming up on Friday, November 11th, and Jewish groups in Canada are planning several ceremonies. B'nai B'rith and the Jewish War Veterans Toronto Post will have a ceremony online on the B'nai B'rith Canada website beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday, and I put the link in our show notes. Ottawa's Jewish community will be putting up flags on the graves of veterans at the Jewish Memorial Gardens. Montreal's Baron de Hirsch Cemetery will have a Remembrance Day ceremony too. And on Sunday in Toronto, November 13th, 
The Yids on Wheels with the riders of the Covenant Motorcycle Clubs will host one at the Jewish Cenotaph at Mount Sinai Ceremony. Sorry, Mount Sinai Cemetery at 11 a.m. If your community is having something and you want me to talk about it or publicize it on our show, just email me and we will do so. ebesner at the cjn.ca. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.